Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. I am Alyssa Gray, and today we'll be learning Erevin Daf Chav Dalet, Erevin page 24. Yesterday, we left off with a situation in which there was a carpave which was larger in size than two bait sa'as and which was enclosed for purposes of dwelling. So that, of course, in theory, we really don't care how large the carpave was. Nevertheless, after being enclosed for purposes of dwelling, most of the area of the carpave was sown with crops. This sowing, we learned, renders the carpave like a garden, and therefore we are forbidden to carry freely within it on Shabbat. Rav Huna, Breder of Yehoshua, said that this is only in the case that the planted section is itself larger than two Beit Sa'as. But, he says, if the planted section is itself two Beit Sa'as in size or smaller, then carrying within the carpave will continue to be permitted. After further discussion of Rav Huna Breder of Yehoshua's view, Dav Chafdalad presents five discussions or clarifications of issues pertaining to carpefot, which is the plural of carpef, and or fenced-in yards, the singular of which is rechava, or wide open space. We'll discuss three of these discussions. The first of these discussions goes back to an idea that we saw yesterday toward the bottom of 23b. We saw there that if a carpave larger than two Beit Sa'as was enclosed for purposes of residence, and it was then, most of its area, I should say, was then planted with trees as opposed to crops, it is still permitted to carry within it on Shabbat. The trees are seen as ornamental, as decorative, and the planting of the trees is not inconsistent with the character of the carpave as an area enclosed for purposes of residence. Now on 24a, we get some further clarification of this. The scholar Avimi says that this is indeed the case if the trees are planted neatly in its tablaot, in rows. Only if they're planted neatly in rows, says Avimi, are the trees truly ornamental and is their planting not inconsistent with the residential character of the carpef. Rav Nachman, on the other hand, says it doesn't matter whether the trees are planted in neat rows or whether uh, the owner has opted for a more footloose and fancy free way of distributing the trees throughout the carpef, Rav Nachman says it won't matter. The planting of the trees will still leave us permitted to carry freely in the carpef on Shabbat. The simplicity of this first discussion should get us revved up for the more complex second discussion. This one opens with Rav Nachman stating in the name of Shmuel that if there is a carpef larger than two Beit Sa'as, and if this carpef is not enclosed for purposes of dwelling, or using the Gemara's phrase, it is not hukaf ladira, then one may nevertheless carry within that carpef if he opens a space in the fence larger than 10 cubits, then closes it off 
and reduces that space to only 10 cubits. In effect, the person has breached the fence around the carpath, thus opening it up, but then has created some sort of opening or entrance so that now we may think of the carpath as having been enclosed for purposes of residence. That will then permit us to carry freely within it on Shabbat. Rav Nachman's statement in the name of Shmuel is stated very simply and straightforwardly. Neither Shmuel nor Rav Nachman necessarily had any idea where the Gemara would take this teaching. But the Gemara wishes to use this teaching as an opportunity to explore a type of question it typically finds interesting. What if the person didn't rip the hole in the fence around the carpath all at once, but instead ripped a cubit and then fenced it off cubit by cubit until the person had ripped open and fenced off an area in the fence more than 10 cubits in size? The reason this question is an interesting question is because in the area of purities, the law of purities, that which is ritually pure and that which is ritually impure, this sort of issue makes a difference. If a wooden utensil became ritually impure, breaking it will render it ritually pure again if the hole created is at least the size of a pomegranate. But if a person takes that ritually impure wooden vessel and makes a hole in it the size of an olive, then patches up that hole and does so again and again until all the holes made when added up together equal a pomegranate in size, does this make a difference? Does the fact that the olive-sized holes add up to a pomegranate size now render the wooden utensil pure? Or does the fact that each olive-sized hole was filled up before the next one was perforated do nothing to change the ritual impurity of the wooden vessel? Now we can understand why the Gemara asks the same sort of question with regard to the fence around the carpath. If the perforation in this fence is made and patched one cubit at a time, do we still at the end have an entrance of 10 cubits in size such that the carpath is now considered to be hukaf dira, fenced in for residential purposes? Or does the fact that we perforated and patched the fence cubit by cubit mean that the 10 cubit opening we have at the end is not an entrance such that the carpath is now considered to be hukaf dira, with, of course, the legal implication that we will then still not be permitted to carry freely within the carpath on Shabbat. The Gemara's ultimate conclusion is that even if we go cubit by cubit, the opening in the fence around the carpath will be considered as an entrance to a dwelling, permitting us to carry freely within the carpath on Shabbat. The repeated perforations and patches to the fence have rendered the fence panim chadashot, literally a new face, or in other words, a new entity. The fence is now not the same fence around the carpath it was before, and it may now be considered to be the fence around a carpath that was hukaf ladira, enclosed for purposes of dwelling, so we may carry within it on Shabbat. We should just pause to note the creativity of the Gemara, which, when thinking about an issue pertaining to Erevin and pertaining to the demarcations of public and private space, how the Gemara thinks to reach 
to as far flung an area of halakha as the laws of purities and impurities in order to draw material to reason by analogy. This is really part of the extreme intellectual creativity at work in the formation of the Gemara. The fourth case we'll consider on Dav Chavdalet, our final one for today, involves a karpef larger than two Beit Sa'as in size that was enclosed for residence, it was Hukaf Ladira, but subsequently it became filled with water. The rabbis say that the filling of the karpef with water is similar to the case we saw at the bottom of 23b, where most of the area of the karpef was planted with crops. Just as the planting with crops rendered the karpef more like a garden, and we were thus forbidden to carry freely within it on Shabbat, so the rabbis say here on Dav Chav Dalid, the filling of the karpef with water should also render it forbidden for us to carry within it on Shabbat. The Gemara ultimately concludes that as long as the water is usable, Chazyan Tashmishta, as long as it is fit for use, the karpef should not lose its status as being enclosed for purposes of residence or hukaf ladira because of the entry of the water into the karpef. Until tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Chorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.